630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Oil Kings just getting underway against Medicine Hat at Rogers Place. The Oilers farm team, the Bakersfield Condors, just underway against the San Jose Barracuda. In the NHL, it is the Sabres leading the Maple Leafs 3-1 late in the second period. Tage Thompson has scored his 23rd of the season. Second period, Rangers up 1-0 on the Blues. And in a game that's going to impact the Oilers one way or another, Los Angeles leads Dallas 1-0 about 12 and a half minutes into the first period. Deneau, the former Montreal Canadian, with his 16th of the season. Later on, Predators at Seattle. Oilers at Chicago tomorrow, 5 o'clock face-off show game at 6.30, right here on 6.30, Chet. The Oilers are back home on Saturday. That's going to be a 3.30 face-off show game at 5 as they host the Montreal Canadiens, second final meeting of the season this year against the Habs. I can tell you before that game, the Axios Ukrainian Men's Ensemble, based here in Edmonton, will perform the Ukrainian and Canadian national anthem so that's going to be pretty cool oilers 50 50 draws next week on the 7th and the 9th so that's monday and wednesday uh there will be proceeds to support humanitarian efforts in ukraine so a bit of an update there and that multi-day 50 50 continues tomorrow and wraps up on saturday that's in support of wounded warriors canada and operation frontline impact okay you can always get in touch on the uh, hotline 780-496-0063 it is presented by certain teed the pros choice for roofing siding drywall insulation and ceiling systems certain teed pro all the way we will go there now and for a blackhawks and uh, chicago perspective on tomorrow's game and some of their uh, storylines from the chicago sun times we welcome back to the show ben pope ben how are you doing I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for jumping on. This has become semi-regular for you and I to talk to each other. <laughs> there's There's been so much news between the Oilers and the Hawks and a couple of games here at Edmonton earlier this season. So I'm happy to have you on the show again and uh, talk about a significant game tomorrow, man. It is uh, Duncan Keith back in Chicago. Tell me a little bit about the hype, the buildup for this game with uh, for the Blackhawks organization and for the fan base. Is it getting a lot of chatter? Well, I think the GM announcement this week has kind of distracted a little bit from uh, the attention that would be getting paid to Keith's return. And and also it's Nicholas Jomerson's uh, sort of not retirement ceremony, but uh, legacy night, they like to call it tomorrow night. So fans are paying attention to that, too. So uh, I think if not for those things, there'd be more buzz about this, but uh, certainly going to be cool to see. I know it'll be emotional for him and for the fans there. I know there'll be. Uh, probably a, a really touching, lengthy uh, welcome back video at the first commercial break. And um, it'll be interesting to see just, you know, how he fares in a, a game with so much emotion for him against some of his former teammates uh, in the building where he won those three cups. So, yeah, definitely going to be interesting to to see just what the reaction is. I know it'll be very positive. He's still a beloved guy here and uh, certainly an interesting storyline to this game. Yeah, well, it, and I, I, I think, uh, you know, you putting it that it's probably going to be a warm reaction, I think, is fair. Sometimes if a player wants to be traded, and Duncan did, maybe there, there are some hard feelings. But I think given the circumstances and given his contributions to the team in the past, like, I, I can't see fans uh, wanting to really rip on him for anything. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. I think it, it was understood, um, not only from his perspective, why he wanted to to go to Western Canada, to be closer to his family there in a time of COVID where it's tough to travel across the border. I think most fans understood that reasoning. 
Um, and also, he, he, cl he clearly declined a lot over the past few years. He wasn't um, the, the shutdown number one defenseman that he used to be. So I think fans realized it was probably a good time for him to move on as well in that regard. So uh, definitely no hard feelings with his departure and his trade request. And um, I think a lot of fans mainly just remember all of the great years that they had with him and that he had with the Hawks. So I'm sure that'll be mainly what's on everyone's mind tomorrow. Yeah, well, and the Hawks are in a, a bit of a interesting spot here. Obviously not having a, a great season. Um, though they did beat the Oilers the last time they played pretty uh, pretty convincingly. But uh, And I saw some of the stuff, you, work you've done. Uh, you know, Patrick Kane said, well, you tell us, what, what did Kane say today about uh, his future with the Hawks? Well, obviously the backstory is that Kyle Davidson, who had been the interim GM, uh, since October, was named the permanent GM after a lengthy search uh, for other candidates um, on Tuesday. Um, and he said that uh, he is going to initiate a rebuild here. Um, but uh, unlike Stan Bowman in 2020, when he said he was going to initiate a rebuild, uh, which basically led to nine months of rebuilding and then pivoting back to trying to win, um, and also created a controversy where uh, the team's core at the time, including Taves and Kane and Keith and Seabrook, um, were... Uh, pretty upset and went forward to the media being upset that that he hadn't told them in advance bowman hadn't told them in advance so um definitely davidson before um coming out yesterday and and saying that publicly made sure to talk to taves and kane um publicly i mean behind the scenes in the morning uh, to let them know what he'd be talking about and and make sure they knew that they would be involved and uh, part of the communication process throughout the next few years to come um so then kane talking today um, said that that he'd like to stay with the Hawks through the rebuild. He's on board with it. Um, it. It's obviously a business, as he said, and he has only a year and a half left on his current contract. Um, but it sounds like he's he's okay with this and and he's willing to stay through it potentially. Um, so that was certainly newsworthy to hear. I, I know a lot of fans would love for him to stay, um, just considering how much he's meant to the team uh, and still a very good player today. I know others maybe want the Hawks to try to get what they can for him, considering how much they might be able to get back in a trade. But uh, it sounds like uh, there's not going to be any hard feelings, at least, no matter how which way this goes. All right. And you mentioned Kyle Davidson uh, taking over officially as uh, the general manager. I understand, like, a pretty interesting journey for him in his uh, pro hockey career to, to from where he started to now be a GM. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, coming from Ontario, he was trying to to intern with the Rockford Ice Hogs, the Hawks AHL team in 2010. Uh, fell through because of visa issues, uh, but the last second internship with the Blackhawks opened up and he took that. Um, made a good impression, got hired full-time, and then over the past um, 10 years, worked his way all the way up the ladder to assistant GM um, and then took over for Poman as interim GM and, and now as permanent GM. So uh, pretty cool to see um, uh, just from an individual sort of storyline to the way he's risen up through the organization. Um, definitely he's going to have to prove, though, that he's not just a continuation of what they've been doing. There's a strong desire for change and progress and a fresh mindset. And um, the Hawks have assured their fans that even though they hired the internal candidate, uh, that he can bring that. And from my impression of him so far, it does sound like he has a lot of different and bold ideas. Uh, but they'll, he'll have to implement that and sort of win over a skeptical fan base over the next few years. Okay, uh, Ben Pope joining us tonight at Inside Sports from the Chicago Sun-Times talking about the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, I, I, I'll ask you this again. I think we talked about this a, a few weeks ago when the Hawks were here. 
uh, Mark Andre Fleury. <laughs> Any more clarity? Like, what what do you think? Is he is he gone soon? What 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 are you hearing now? Well, there's a little more clarity, but um, it's still not exactly clear what's going to happen. Um, it sounds like Fleury is willing to be traded, um, but only to a place where he really believes he might be able to win the Stanley Cup, um, and also a place where his family would enjoy it. Um, so it's probably going to be a fairly limited list of teams that he's willing to consider. Obviously, we don't know which teams those are. Um, I know that uh, Davidson and Alan Walsh, Flurry's outspoken agent, have had conversations um, just setting the scene. Uh, but it sounds like uh, while it's possible he's traded, it's also possible he stays um, just because it might be a little bit hard to um, to orchestrate a trade that Flurry's okay with and where the return is sufficient and that the other team is looking for a goalie. Um, so uh, there still could go any number of ways. I know that obviously the Oilers are one team that, that makes sense uh, from a, just a standpoint of needing goaltending and, and being a possible contender. Um, but th there are a few others too, and, and we really don't know which of those teams Flurry uh, would want to go to. So it's still kind of a waiting game on that front. Yeah, that's going to be one of the big stories here going towards the uh, the trade deadline. When you look at the Hawks, I mean, I guess DeBrincat uh, comes to mind. Um you know, Hagel's having a pretty good season. Like, are, are there are are there guys that won't be touchable here if if they do decide to sell off some pieces? Like, are there some some players that you think have been identified as the the next core, so to speak? Well, it was interesting actually, just talking to Davidson a few hours ago in a follow up um, interview today. Uh, he was saying that he doesn't really believe in the concept of untouchables. That it, even if it's unrealistic or unlikely, um, if if he gets a, a sort of out-of-the-water offer for someone, he's going to listen to it no matter who it is. Um, so I, it doesn't sound like they have any fast, set-in-stone untouchables. Um, certainly, obviously, with, with Flurry, there's a situation where he kind of controls his destiny. Same thing with Kane and Taves, who have full no-trade contracts, clauses, I should say. Um, and obviously, for guys like Debrinkit, Seth Jones... Um, those are probably going to take massive offers to get them, so probably not going to happen anything there. Um, Hagel's kind of the interesting guy on the borderline of that threshold. Um, it sounds like the Hawks have gotten some offers for him, and they have been willing to entertain them, but they are going to ask a really high price uh, because he is having such a great year and has become kind of the heart and soul player of this team. Um, so I think it's unlikely he's traded, but it is possible. Um, and then from there, it, you go into the, the realm of players who are increasingly more likely to be traded. All right, Ben, and I'm going to close off with a completely frivolous off-hockey topic question. As someone who lives in Chicago, how often do you have deep-dish pizza? Honestly, probably not as much as most people would think. Um, I'm not the biggest pizza fan. It's not the worst, but uh, I'm probably not having it too often, uh, maybe once a month or so. And even when I do, uh, there's a lot of other kinds of pizza here, too, besides deep-dish, so... Uh, I would say it's pretty infrequent, although I'm not opposed to it. You just totally rolled with that question like you knew it was coming, Ben. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I can answer anything. Shoot away. All right. Well, well, next time you're on, I'll have to think of some even more out of left field ones. But thank you so much for checking in tonight uh, and enjoy the game tomorrow. Always enjoy your perspective. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.
All right, that is Ben Pope. Always fun to catch up with him. Beat writer covers the Blackhawks for the Chicago Sun-Times. So we went over some of the Hawks headlines. Keith coming back, Jarmelson being honored tomorrow. Who could be available at the deadline? Still up in the air about uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. We've talked about Hagel before. Stoff's mentioned him as well. He's going to be an interesting addition for somebody uh, maybe before the deadline as well. That trade deadline coming up on Monday, March 21st. Oilers are 7-3. and three. Under Jay Woodcroft, uh, two teams coming up. They're ahead of both in the standing, Chicago and Montreal. And then uh, uh, Monday's a battle of Alberta, taking on the red-hot Calgary Flames, who have really been asserting themselves to pull to the top of the Pacific Division. They're five points ahead of Los Angeles right now. And as I was telling you, Los Angeles currently on the ice against the Dallas Stars, still one nothing for the Kings. It's now after the first period. The Edmonton Elks are uh, making an announcement tomorrow. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen when we get back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, Briar starts on Friday in Lethbridge. Brendan Botcher has been to the Briar final four consecutive years. He's the defending champ. He's going to join us between 7.30 and 8. There was a uh, bit of drama with the uh, Botcher team in December as they parted ways with third Darren Molding. So I'm going to ask uh, Brendan for maybe some details on what happened there. That is coming up between 7.30 and 8. We're getting you ready for the Oilers and the Blackhawks tomorrow on 6.30. Chad, final game of the Oilers' five-game road trip. They are 2-2 two and two so far. A bit of a scrambly game yesterday against uh, Philadelphia. Oilers, I wouldn't say they were great, but they were... Good enough. Miko Koskinen, really solid in net. 39 save shutout. He is 7-0-1 in his last eight starts, which is pretty good. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., there's going to be an online unveiling of the Edmonton Elks' new helmet and then a news conference at 1.30. So uh, check the Elks' website, social media accounts, and all that to uh, see the new helmet. You've probably seen the videos teasing it or the, some of the photos teasing it now it's just the helmet tomorrow there's going to be a new uniform uh, i think in a few weeks uh which which was part of the plan under chris preston when he was the president anyway the last year's uniforms were kind of a placeholder i'm not sure if he was going to do something new with the helmets at all but if if you've seen some of the things that have been teased and the the reaction in the video that featured current o-lineman David Beard, uh, alumni O-lineman Hector Pothier, and alumni receiver Daryl Mookie Mitchell. Um, it seems to me that the the antlers are not going to be on it, the, the, the two antlers that they had last year. And you can clearly see that there's a stripe down the middle, which was gone last year, which I, I kind of missed. That I, You know, I, I really like the Elks logo they came out with. Um, I wasn't sure about the antlers on the helmet at first. They kind of grew on me once it got into the season, but it, it doesn't look like that's going to be on the helmet this year. Judging by what the players are saying in that video and the portions of the helmet that they have released publicly, I, I, I think we're going to go back to seeing a, uh, a double E on the helmet. Uh, I, I mean, I think the antler is gone. I, I think that's obvious. So is it the, you know, is it the stylized Elks logo? Or is it back to the double E? If you look at the reaction of the gentleman in that video, I, I think it's the double E. And I think it's going to be a look that is maybe um, 
if I can sound like I'm using maybe an oxymoron here, if I don't even know if that's the right term, uh, it's it's going to look both traditional and modern, if that makes sense. I, I think that's what they're going for with the helmet. You know, we'll see if it works or not. I, I, I think it's going to be a very simple, clean look, easily, easily identifiable. I, I would guess if they're slapping the double E back on there, they're going to be larger than they have been in the past. I mean, the, they had that alternate uh, green helmet in, in the past in, in which the double E was very, very large, almost the entire side of the head. I don't know if it'll be quite that big, but I think it's going to be bigger than the relatively small double E that was contained in the circle that we have uh, seen on the, the helmet for most of the team's history. So that's kind of what I expect tomorrow. And uh, and then we, we go from there. I, I don't think that the uh, antler image is being entirely abandoned. I mean, they have that antler football, the two antlers coming up for sort of in the shape of a football. I, 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 to me, that was a really fun image. And, and I think something they want to be uh, associated with the team here going forward. So maybe that's going to show up on the uniforms in some capacity uh, or not. But I, I expect when they unveil this at 11 tomorrow, that it's going to be a, like I said, probably a very distinct, probably, I'm not going to say very large, but larger than in the past, uh, and, and very sort of bold double E on the helmet. That is what my Wilkie intuition is telling me. We'll find out tomorrow. Yeah, a lot going on with the Edmonton Oilers. Martavis Bryant, eh, signed a couple days ago. A uh, lot of uh, issues with uh, substance abuse while he was in the National Football League. Hasn't played football since 2018, but an exciting talent when healthy and when not suspended. We'll see if he's able to join the Elks receiving core. They got Kenny Lawler, uh, Mike Jones, Tavon Smith are back, Darrell Walker. They signed Manny Arsenal. Jalen Tolliver is around. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Darius Bowman. So all guys who are going to be competing for spots at receiver for the Elks. We will call it quick timeout. News and weather coming up at 7.30. And uh, we'll update your NHL scoreboard and see what's up with Brendan Botcher when we get back. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.